know, five years ago, anybody could get out here and, and throw panels on a roof and, and make a bunch of money. Yeah. Whereas, you know, now under these conditions, it takes more skill. It, it takes more mm-hmm. thought. And um, so I think that, you know, the industry is going to go through a, a bit of a consolidation yeah. and or elevation, right? If you're here, you'd better elevate your skill set and, and, you know, change the adapt, right? If, if you can't adapt, you're, you're not going to survive. And that's in any business. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I've got a massive one for you guys today. I've got William Geist on the podcast here. He's the CEO and founder of Ecostella, Madison Energy, and Inversify, which is fairly new. He's an expert in energy efficiency, business development, and strategic partnerships. He saved his commercial clients over $150 million in energy spend. And on the residential solar side, he's reduced cancel rates by 90%. William, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks, Doug. I've been looking forward to it, man. Awesome. awesome. I've been looking forward to having you. Uh, I'm kind of curious because I was talking your Facebook page a little bit and I, I feel like, did you name your companies after your kids? Yeah. Yeah. So Madison Energy is named after my first daughter, Madison. And then uh, my younger daughter, she's five, Stella. That's equal Stella. So I, I can't, I can't say enough how much I love that. That's freaking awesome. Um, yeah. I, I bought my original LLC from somebody else, so I didn't have a choice in the naming of it, but um I love that you did that. One of my holding companies is actually MCLM Holdings, and that's Madeline, Cameron, Logan, Mitchell. Okay. That's all three of my kids. Yeah. There you go. So you, you still got it. You know, it, it makes it to where you have to be successful, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's no going back once you put your kid's name on it. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe subconsciously, that's why I did that to myself. <laughs> well, and, you know, at that point, is like, can you exit? I don't know. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've had that thought as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been approached a couple of times mm-hmm. um, on the Madison side. And I, all I can tell you is my response was, well, if I do it, here's the ridiculous number it's got to be. So that I right. Can- <laughs> right. And uh, so it hasn't happened yet. We'll see. No, that's fantastic. Okay. So you posted recently about doing an energy efficiency proposal for a client that had 664 sites, right? And so when you look at commercial locations like this, what are you attacking first to save on those energy costs? So a situation like this where I'm going to architect an entire efficiency plan, the first thing that I'm going to recommend to this client is an efficiency overhaul. And I've done a project for them already, so I'm familiar with their facilities. But, you know, the first thing I'm going to tell them is, you know, to go to the, um, the HVAC and the refrigeration units and, you know, clean the coils, tighten the belts, kind of, you know, check capacitors and, and, and things of that nature. Uh, on the refrigeration side, you know, we want to check the door seals, check the calibration of, of thermostats, just to kind of make sure that we're on a level playing field from the get-go. Uh, because if the, if, the, if the equipment is not operating as it's supposed to, then we're not going to be able to have uh, as much of an effect as, as we can when it comes to the control side. So, um, 
you know, beyond that, I would look at establishing some SOPs, right? And so, you know, what I mean by that, for example, is, you know, I can put thermostat systems in place that are controlled centrally mm-hmm. where you don't have, you know, uh, a store where somebody can go over and turn the temperature down to 65 and just, you know, blast the AC and use a whole bunch of energy all day. It's all right. controlled by corporate. It's all monitored. They can see it all. And, uh, and then, you know, we take steps from there in terms of the actual controls that, that we use. So you've got, from, from what it sounds like, you've got two sides of this business, right? In terms of revenue, you've got the consulting piece, which I believe there is one of those. And then the second side is the actual, you know, delivery and uh, installation and then the maintenance to a degree of the equipment. Are you guys doing all that from A to C or is it more like you have a network that does this? Yeah, so we, I subcontract the actual work itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have some uh, an internal team that would kind of travel and do that. But as the company has grown and the projects have gotten bigger, it's just not feasible to be able to get things done in a certain amount of time. So I've got a few national partners and then I'll source local labor as well um, when needed to add to it. And then I, I do have a company in North Carolina that I can kind of strategically send to different places right mm-hmm. so i'm actually doing that with a project out in california right now just because with the heat labor is actually really hard to source yep. so you know kind of whatever you know as an entrepreneur you've got to be adaptable right so i'm just bombing yeah. even with you know whatever it takes to get it done type of thing well especially labor from california you know what i mean you got to bring it in from other states <laughs> yeah yeah okay so do you have a i guess a sales team in place for the the b2b side of the if so, how do you have them structured? Yeah, so the the sales team is, I mean, they're pretty much all high-level business development guys, right? They're, okay. they're probably minimum 10 years of uh, business-to-business sales experience, you know, many of them to bigger brands. Um, that's part of the strategy of how we get into some of the clients that we have, right? Because, I mean, my our clients are... McDonald's, Taco Bell, Papa John's, Hilton, Marriott, Johnson Controls, Disney, you know, really big names. And and part of that is knowing how to work with companies like that and and to navigate the bureaucracy and the the different levels of approvals that you have to get. So, you know, all of them are kind of structured. They're they're all sort of executive level, if you will. Right. Um, But it's also not collaborative, right? It's they're all everybody's remote. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm in the the process of hiring uh, some more business development guys now for mm-hmm. this to grow that team. And so it's all, it's, it's really kind of like a one-on-one relationship with myself and that executive, mm-hmm. right? There's not a whole lot of collaboration because it's all relationship based. So, you know, these guys get into a company. I, I sort of, you know, assist from my side. Uh, we work in tandem to get the sale done. Right. And then I'll have like a project manager take over from there. Okay, so they're they're in in a, in a very binary sense. They're almost acting as the setter, maybe having some of the energy efficiency conversations. But you're bringing you're bringing the I guess the logistics and the the final proposal of that deal home. Yeah, yeah, I, I get involved about midway through, uh, and then I'll you know I'll have put proposals together and final mm-hmm. numbers and, and all of that. So, how are you guys prospecting right now for? Uh, a business, or I guess a product like that, that, you know, you can't just knock on, you can't just knock on the business door, right? You know, right. I mean, look at B2B, 
you've got to maybe go in through LinkedIn Navigator or something like that. What are you, what are you all favorite sources for, for new leads for that type of product? Yeah, LinkedIn is probably one of my favorite, um, okay. you know, being able to navigate and create relationships that way are, are very important. Uh, you can get referrals in this space as well. So I've got a number of referrals from, you know, one facility director to another that way. And then, um, you know, if you're, if you're going to do some sort of email marketing, it has to be direct, right? So I think a lot of people yeah. in this space try to make the mistake of automating and, you know, just blasting out a thousand emails and you're not going to get a response to that from, from guys like this. So the difficulty in, in what I do in this space is that I'm selling something that these guys didn't necessarily know they needed, right? Or they're not necessarily right. looking for it. They're busy doing what they're doing. And then we're knocking on the door and saying, hey, your energy is not a fixed expense, right? We, mm -hmm. we, can, we can have an impact on it. And, you know, we have to convey our value very quickly. Do you find yourself often, you know, because at that level, I, I would feel like they have somebody with internal in the company that's responsible for this. And so are you kind of giving them like, hey, you're doing the 1.0, but I'm going to give you the 2, the 3, the 4.0? Yeah, if, if they do have someone in place already, um, typically it's kind, of, it's, it's kind of strange. It's somebody they put in place to just go out there and try to find things, right? I, I've, mm -hmm. I've rarely seen someone that has a whole bunch of experience because, I mean, That's it's just true. something that you have to really focus on, right? I mean, I've, mm -hmm. I've been in the commercial side of this for over 13 years now. Um, and so, but it's good when they have that person because then you can work with them and, and, and that is their focus is to try to put these projects together. Okay. So, you know, that's nice when, when the company doesn't have an energy manager and you're working with the facilities guy, then it's a little tricky because, you know, you call him on the wrong day when he's putting out fires and you just, it's like, I got to run out of the room, right? So, yeah. you know, you don't want to be there at the wrong time. So it's just, you know, it's, it's navigating those guys and realizing that they've got a ton of stuff on their plate mm -hmm. and, you know, you're on the priority list where you are and you just kind of have to climb up. Keep, keep working your way up. Yeah. Without losing the relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's pivot over to residential now. Um, right. Is it the same one-to-one -one type management or do you have a few uh, management levels in place between you and like an entry level now, residential set up a little bit differently, right? So um, we have, uh, you know, so we're, we're selling the efficiency primarily through solar right mm -hmm. now. So we've got a lot of sales orgs, EPCs, things of that nature. So I've got uh, my COO uh, and, and co-founder, Kevin Harden. So he helps a lot on that side. And mm -hmm. then uh, we just brought Sherry D on, which a lot of people know in the space. Yeah. Uh, she's our senior business manager. And so she, Kevin and Sherry are kind of on the front lines. And then I've got a few other people as well that are sort of like affiliate level um, people that, that are on the front lines having those conversations. And then I still, this is sort of my model, right? I still kind of, I'm still part of it. I'm still part of that relationship at some point. Right. Um, a lot of people just like knowing, you know, that the CEO is involved, which I am. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's, you know, my personality is I get out here and I get my hands dirty or, you know, yeah. whatever it is. So, um, you know, it's everything that, as far as I'm concerned, everything I'm doing is all relationship driven. And mm -hmm. so I am a part of that relationship at some point, at some level, even if I can't be there all the time. And so, you know, obviously as we grow, I'm looking to grow my team, right? It's, it's one of the, those things I'm going through as an entrepreneur now is really learning how to do that mm -hmm. because I've always been kind of like, you know, the guy leading the charge and, you know, unfortunately, there's only so much you can do, right? There's only 24 hours in my day. Yeah. So 
you know, I'm, I'm able to get more done by, by growing the team and, and, uh, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Using, using that leverage as well. Okay. So in my experience, high quality stats, like a 90% reduction in, in cancel rate are produced by making metrics visible and then adhering to minimum standards in order to execute on those metrics or on the other end, just in general, having high sales rep retention. So what, what is kind of the case for you that you were able to achieve that? So with us, um, you know, with solar in terms of retention, some things have, have been done in terms of like trying to put security systems in the deal or whatever else. Okay. I, I think the first main difference is the fact that because we're energy efficiency, we're in the same ecosphere as solar, right? Mm -hmm. We're all energy related. And then beyond that, the, the fact that we're able to get into that homeowner, uh, into their home very quickly, typically within seven to 10 days and do that install. There's a mm -hmm. couple of things that happen. Number one, our installers are kind of showing up. They're high five on the homeowner. Congratulations on going solar with XYZ. We right. love working with those guys. That provides sort of a, a third party um, verification, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to, to that homeowner that they've made a good choice. And then the other idea that, that we're providing them with a tangible product that has a tangible immediate value psychologically ties them to the yep. deal, right? So, you know, once, once we get those ecostellas in, I mean, the, the, the cancellations just don't happen, right? I mean, I've, I've taken sales orgs from, you know, the high 20s to low 30s down mm -hmm. to low single digits. Right? I'm talking one, two, three percent. And I, I really believe that it's just, you know, because of that combination of, of things where, all right, you've got something. Some of the solar could take, you know, three, four, five months to get in. Yeah. So, and, and that's, you know, time is your enemy in sales, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't care if it was taking 30 days to get in. At 30 days is, is, is your enemy. Anything could happen, right? A death in the family, a divorce, just a change of heart, cold feet. And so this is just sort of an insurance policy that, hey, no, we're, you know, we've consummated this relationship now. Right. Mm -hmm. We signed paperwork, but now you've gotten something of value. And again, it's it's a psychological thing. Um, and, and, and it's a little bit different than when, you know, just doing like a, a smart thermostat, which, right. you know, maybe they put it in the on the wall. Maybe they don't. You know, we're actually showing up and doing that work and making and making mm -hmm. sure that we're elevating that overall experience. So I, I think that's what it comes down to. No, and I love that concept too. I, I, I want to say I heard about it about eight to nine months ago and, and, and it was just in general, the smart thermostat, right? That's the first level I, I heard about that concept, which was, hey, get the thermostat in. You know, you've now had a transaction with the customer and they're a lot stickier after that. Uh, right. I love that whole system in general. So you're talking about like a 2.0. What does that look like? You know, you said uh, once we get that EcoStella in, is that, a, is that a branded product that you guys have, or is this more a collection of services that you'll provide to the homeowner? So we've got a whole portfolio. We've got about eight different products right now. Um, the one that I'm talking about is sort of our core product, which is uh, an HVAC optimization control that gets installed up in the air handler. And what it does is it, it applies a variable timing mechanism to the blower fan, which it then correlates to the system runtime just fancy for saying we're going to make sure they get all the fan they need and none of what they don't. Right. The idea here is that no matter however long the system runs, we want to make sure we're getting that energy from the coil. And this mm -hmm. is based off some utility studies that were done that just found that most post purge times aren't long enough and there's latent energy that gets left on the coil over here and it just dissipates 
um, into you know through the system. Okay. So uh, the other thing that it does is it will shut the compressor down in times when the coil has reached its capacity, right? Meaning it can't hold any more energy, but the thermostat is still calling, so the compressor keeps running because it doesn't know any better. It, the Eagle Stella will recognize that and tell this to turn off, tell the fan to keep going, and then once it's gotten all the energy from the coil, it'll reset the mm -hmm. whole system. So it's it's a great device because once it's installed, nobody needs to touch it. It's pre-programmed. It comes with mm -hmm. a lifetime warranty. I mean, it's 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 a very robust you know board that I mean, unless the house gets struck by lightning, yeah. it's not going to fail, right? So uh, you guys are packaging this with the solar system, the thermostat, and all of your other products as well into a monthly payment, so it makes it palatable for the customer. Yeah, I mean, if if you if you put you know everything um into the solar deal i mean you're moving the payment 20 30 dollars a month right it's, it's wow not a lot and the offset Fantastic. can be as high as 30 percent mm -hmm. so you know that's the first thing is you know for the solar guys is you know for all the for all the, the roofs that don't get to 100 percent offset this mm -hmm. is going to close the gap right and these are verified results i've got utility case studies commercial case studies we're bpi certified pearl certified so we've got a lot of backing with this stuff um, and so we're going to close that gap, but we're also going to make the sale more consultative, right? Because when you take that reduce before you produce approach, then it's, you know, you're doing a little more other than saying, well, how many panels can we fit up here? Yeah. Now that being said, I don't necessarily advocate for selling less panels, mm -hmm. right? It's, you know, what happens is if we can sell above hundred percent offset then absolutely do that because, you know, as soon as people get solar, the house has superpowers, right? And now the yeah. lights be on and the AC. <laughs> down, exactly. Right, and then the homeowner can't figure out why they still have a bill. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. like, well, you, you change the way you live. So you know, this will account for that plus future use. Maybe they add a pool or panel degradation. So you know, I mean, I know guys selling at 120, 130 percent when they can, and yeah. so you know, by all means. Not to mention the fact that using all of the efficiency to optimize the equipment is just going to help that last longer anyway. So there's just, there's tons of benefits to doing it. Well, I think our demographic is, is typically, you know, 25 to 45 years old and they're still, they're still having families. They're still, they're, they're the place for everybody to gather. You know I mean? During the holidays, they're getting spikes and as uh, energy costs go up, that's going to make more and more sense. I have no problem uh, selling systems like that, you know, that are 120, 130% offset because it gives them room to grow. And you never, yeah. you know, you never lose that uh, leverage, I guess you could say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's another great way to differentiate mm -hmm. yourself from the sales side too, right? That room to grow is just anywhere you can create value. You've got to do it, especially now in this market. Yeah. Right? It's right. It's, it's, this year has been tough. So, mm -hmm. you know, every, every little edge you can give yourself, you've got to do it. Well, and, and in saying that, right, we had a bunch of money just, just pushed into the economy a lot of artificial growth from a lot of companies and stuff from that. And it been people had money to spend, right? right? But what I love about solar is that it's a, and then energy efficiency in general, and what you're selling is that it's recession proof, right? This is not something that I'm gonna have to spend more money on. If anything, I'm gonna have to make an educated decision so I can free up funds for other areas of my business. So right. with, with all that being said, I have walked through a lot of the, the tax incentives, especially on the commercial side. Yeah. Is there some of those uh, aside from solar, right? Because we know that they're there for solar. 
you know, when you go in and you do all the things, you hit all the energy efficient points that you guys have, is there tax incentives on the commercial side for that? Um, it, it's, they're not tax incentives as much as they are utility rebates, right? Okay. So on the commercial side, I can, you know, there's projects I can get anywhere from a 20 all the way up to a 70% rebate from the utility, which That's is massive. sponsored by, you know, the government, right? So in mm-hmm. a way it's a, you just can't call it a tax incentive. It's, but in a way it's better though, because it's not based on their tax liability. Right, exactly. It's just, hey, I could do this million dollar project for you and you get a half a million dollars of it back. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, um, but it's, it's a tricky, it's a minefield. I mean, you yeah. know, it depends on the region and on the utility and what their rules are. And you gotta, I, I literally pay consultants to, to talk to those guys. Yeah. It'll make you want to throw yourself in traffic. So. Yeah. We, we even did that on the residential side in terms of, you know, they were, they were setting up a situation where there was depreciation for the homeowner in getting a solar system. So they were able to get additional tax savings through there. But we, again, offloaded that to a consultant and they dealt with their uh, personal CPAs and stuff like that. So now I just wanted to point that out because, you know, whether you are selling B2B and you're selling solar or whatever the case is, these things are out there. But also if you have your own warehouse right now, which a lot of my clients do and listeners do, I mean, this is something that you need to start taking advantage of ASAP, you know what I mean? If you own real estate uh, and you haven't gone through one of these energy efficiency, what do y'all call them? Audits, if you will. Yeah. Audit evaluation. Okay. hundred percent. Then you need to go ahead and reach out to William to do that. We'll include all his, uh, uh, all his links in the show notes here. Okay. So where should home service businesses be looking for strategic partners? And once they get them, how should they structure that relationship? So obviously you have a ton of them on the B2B side, I would imagine. And, and, and now you're uh, capitalizing on the residential side with, I, I would imagine a lot of solar orgs, right? How do they identify who that is? And then what's your strategy for executing that relationship? So, I mean, in terms of identifying who it is, I guess it depends on the specific area that you're trying to fill, right? So if mm-hmm. it's sales, obviously, you know, we want, sales orgs and 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 i'm still learning when it comes to the solar uh field right so mm-hmm. you know i'm also learning that you know epcs are uh people that we should be talking to because yeah. that's who the sales orgs are kind of submitting all the deals to mm-hmm. um so on the sales side you know the answer is pretty easy uh implementation side in terms of installers that ha- that has had to be more of a multifaceted approach from you know we've built a, a network of installers brick by brick uh, but okay. we're also now talking to some companies, you know, there's one company where I'll gain 2,500 install techs overnight. Right. Mm-hmm. And well, I say overnight, I mean, the conversation is, you know, going a little wild to kind of work right. certain things out, but um, you know, so there, there's partnerships like that as well. In terms of how to structure it, I always start by asking my partner, you know, what they need, right. I mean, mm-hmm. like, what does it take for you to be successful in this? Um, and this concept will, will come back to us in, in a little bit here in this conversation. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I want to know what it takes because a lot of people kind of think that there's this compromise on both sides that always has to happen. Yeah. And, and it's not that that's not true. But you know, if I'm coming to you, I say, look, you know, if you're going to do this for me, what do you need to get paid? Because I want you to be happy doing it, right? I don't want you know, I don't want the call to come in from Madison Energy or EcoStellar or whoever, and you're like, oh man, I, you know, because you feel like you're compensated properly. Yeah. So, you know, what, what is fair to you? And then we discuss that. And then, 
we figure out how to, all right, well, how can we add mine on? And then once we have all of that, then we calculate, okay, with you getting paid what you want and me getting paid what I want, does that all equal the right kind of value for the end user at the end of the day? And if not, then we have, now we've had to revisit it and look at, okay, where can we both shave some off? Because if we're not providing that value, it's not going to work in the long run anyway. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's some things that have to be considered in that. Um, but I always, you know, I always try to have the, the conversation be fluid as well and, and sort of, you know, tell people that, you know, business has its own evolution to it. So, you know, we, we have to have room to grow together and, and we have to, you know, have to leave those doors unlocked so that we can do that, right? Whatever that means. And again, that's sort of particular to the relationship, but, you know, we try to leave those, those things there because if you, there's a lot of partnerships that start off well, and then one outgrows the other, or they just out, you know, they both mm-hmm. out because, you know, there's certain things that, uh, that, that, that they didn't think of ahead of time. So it's good to keep in mind. Absolutely. And I like what you said about, all right, they've got their end, they're getting compensated for, you've got your end. But the question is, does it make sense for the end user? Is it priced properly? Is it competitive? Are we just going to fall flat on this because we're both you know, wanting too much on one end or the other, whatever the case is, right? And so when, when you look at solar as a, as a business, this is, this is the big, I guess, challenge in the business, right? You've got EPCs, which are few and far in between. And uh, you've got all these solar sales orgs able to bring just massive numbers and grow EPCs double and triple year over year, right? Right. And what's happening is, for whatever reason in the business, the, the solar orgs have the advantage because they're bringing the customer, right? So they're driving the cost of the EPC down or the, um, the uh, price of the EPC down. And what I've seen is end up some of these EPCs are going bankrupt. They, they didn't forecast their cash flow properly or whatever the case was. So they had to lay off guys and then they eventually go out of business and then that's it. There, there's no money coming through that pipeline anymore for the sales that were already made. Right. Or maybe the customers didn't even get installed in the first place. Yeah. And so, so for me, one of the reasons why I winded down uh, my solar sales org is because me and my partner at the time had a, uh, a debate essentially going that the end or the closer in the business or the salesperson in the business, the customer acquisition person in the business was overpaid essentially. And some of that money should be moved over to the EPC so that they could stay healthy, give the customer a quality install and communicate, right? Because that's the number one issue with the EPCs is the communication piece. So we've got this, you know, these these two titans, the EPC and the sales works kind of trying to work together. There's a lot of change that's been happening that I've been seeing is really good. So, um, you know, I guess my question is you, we talked before this, you kind of want to tackle this a little bit. And that's where Inversify is coming from. That was the only company I wasn't sure of because yeah. it's brand new. Yeah. So Inversify is brand new. We haven't launched it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to. I mean, if you if you ask my anybody on my team about it, they'll laugh because like in every conversation, I'm like, oh, and then, you know, we got to do this. And so, you know, Inversify for me is sort of a necessary mechanism for the industry. And, and mm-hmm. there are a few other platforms out there that have kind of touched on what we're going to do. And I'll just say, I'm not really sure when we're going to be able to launch it just because, right. I mean, Madison is growing, Ecostel is growing, and, and so the focus has to be there. But, you know, I, I, you know, once I'm able to kind of grow my team and, and delegate some more, then, then it'll, it'll make some progress. But the, the idea behind Diversify, 
um, is primarily to repair the relationship between sales org and EPC. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think, um, I'm not sure which side that I'll start on, but part of it is that education of, you know, look, you know, we all have to make money together. Right. right? I mean, because, you know, in my opinion for the two years that I've been in uh, the solar industry, the, the sales world has a chokehold on the EPCs. Yeah. It's all, you know, what's my red line? What's my red line? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, it's, it's interesting to me that the salespeople are coming from that approach. When if you're in sales, you know, it's about value. So, yeah. you know, the, it could be a $3 red line, but if all this, you know, all this stuff is here mm-hmm. and you know, all the stuff is being provided and I'm going to be successful because of that. Yeah. Well, you know, the $3 it is, and you know, you price your business accordingly. Um, you know, the other thing I think is that on both sides, decisions are made, you know, for the revenue this month or this quarter, right. Where, you know, some of these guys have great companies and you just need to stand on that value. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, um, perfect example is, you know, Madison energy, right. I deal with some large companies Mm -hmm. who inevitably will sort of, you know, throw their weight around and be like, well, you know, what's my price. And I'm like, the price is the price. It doesn't change because you're larger. I mean, if anything, I should charge you more, right? I'm like, you know, the value value is there, right? And and my value on on the commercial side is is the return Mm -hmm. on investment. So I say, look, you know, here's here's the the benefits I'm going to give you. And if you can show me another project that will give you this kind of cost reduction and Mm -hmm. allow you to get your investment back between 12 and 18 months, I'd love to see it because I want to partner with them, right? And the reality is, it's, you know, it's, it's not out there. So, you know, part of it is, is knowing what your value is. And, and I think, you know, maybe some of the sales guys won't like me for saying this, but, you know, the EPCs, in my opinion, have the leverage. Because guess what? You can sell all you want, but if nobody's doing the installs, yeah. it doesn't mean anything, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we got to show the EPCs a little bit of love. I mean, I you couldn't pay me to, to, to run one of those. I, there's, there's so many moving parts. It's so complicated. Uh, I, I wouldn't go anywhere near it. So I, I very much respect the guys that are doing it. And, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta lighten up a little bit and let them eat. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. I have the same sentiment in general and, and just, I mean, you need an accounting degree to pull off that cash flow scenario at times, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like what they're doing. Um, so I, I have a lot of respect for what they do. And then, and, and that's why like, when I was sending deals their way and everything and communication issues, as well as, you know, timing issues and all of that. I think a lot of uh, sales wars tend to, you know, go to the old school nature, maybe the home service nature, which is, you know, yell and scream, try and get what you want, (laughs) but that's not really, that's not really going to work. There's too many moving parts. You can't just shove it through. And if you do, you end up with a customer with a $70,000 problem on their roof. You know what I'm saying? Which is, uh, not good for Google reviews. Let's just say that we got enough to worry about in marketing that our fulfillment isn't following through because we're we're trying to push yeah. them through, through too fast. So, well, I I, I always uh, I, I depend on the market to correct itself mm-hmm. because it always does, and I think that we're seeing some of it now. Right? Mm-hmm. It's you know five years ago anybody could get out here and, and throw panels on a roof and, and make a bunch of money. Yeah. Or you know now under these conditions it takes more skill. It, it takes more mm-hmm. thought. And um, so I think that, you know, the industry is going to go through a, a bit of a consolidation yeah. and or elevation, right? If you're here, you better elevate your skill set and, and, you know, change the adapt, right? If, if you can't adapt, you're, you're not going to survive. And that's in any business. 
So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I'm hoping to help be part of that movement mm -hmm. forward where, you know, the industry can make that progress and, and become a little bit more cohesive while also understanding that, you know, we can operate with transparency, transparency and integrity yeah. and still win in the long run. Right. It's, you know, we don't, we don't have to, you know, rake an 80 year old lady over the coals at $5 a watt. You know, when you do business right and you develop that relationship, more business mm -hmm. comes and you just brand yourself with, you know, as that and you follow through on it and it works. I promise it's, I mean, it's, it's worked for me. So. Yeah, I think the more moving parts you have in a in product sales and fulfillment, uh, the, the more difficult it gets. But at the same time, when you have that filter in between the, the sales and the fulfillment, you you may have a lot smoother communication in that sense. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I know that it's not always good. So uh, somebody like yourself that has that strategic partnership experience could definitely smooth that over and create systems, SOPs, put people in place. To, to execute that a little better than it's being done now. I feel like people have tried it with software, software heavy, you know, communication between the EPC and the sales org, and that is not working. We've established that I feel like over the last couple of years. So it's going to have to be people. Yeah, I, I think the software component is necessary to a degree, mm -hmm. but more than anything is, is the human element. Yeah. Right? So, you know, part of Inversify is I want to be able to go to these sales orgs. I mean, these are high energy, you know, yeah. ambitious guys that are out here selling. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can provide resources to help on the backside, right? Whether it's, you know, different systems or fractional accounting, legal, yep. you know, protecting their downside so that if an EPC does go bankrupt, you know, mm -hmm. they're not, I mean, I've, I've seen sales orgs go down because, yeah. you know, $200,000 with the lost revenue is, is I mean, that's going to hurt anybody. I don't care who you yeah. are. So, you know, we can protect you for that and, and make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, and so, you know, then once we sort of strengthen the sales side, then mm -hmm. it's like, okay, you know, we're now you're a monster. You're ready to get out of here and, and, and do some stuff. Well, now let's, let's work on this relationship with the EPCs and, and make sure that that's cohesive, right? And, you know, make sure that it, if you have a good strategic partnership, that strategic partnership is going to want to get things done for you. Mm -hmm. right? But if, if you're, if you're killing, if you're nickel and diming them at every turn, they're going to shrug their shoulders and, you know, why, why yeah. am I willing to do your install? Right. Absolutely. Well, you got to understand that. Well, and I come from the dealer world, right? Where, you know, I sold AT&T, DirecTV, Vivint, uh, B2B and residential for a long time. And in between myself and the product was always a, what we call a distribution company, right? They used to be the ones to actually distribute the equipment, but what it evolved to over time is a legal barrier between the sales work and the end product, right? Or the um, fulfillment company. Right. And so I, it, it sounds like, you know, those companies are going to have an advantage if they get into solar because they create that buffer in between, which, you know, they provide training support um, and communication uh, and they're able to help that sales work actually scale, you know, which everything that you're explaining right now sounds like that versus, you know, like we talked about a software centric approach, which is important to a degree, make, payroll right and everything you know we need to move the status of the job right yeah. but uh you know that that basically that coach if you will that can stand in the gap you know and 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 help facilitate that relationship i think is going to be massive if that's the way that you're approaching it yeah i look there's companies are already here and mm -hmm. and the ones to fear 
are the alarm companies, right? ADT is mm-hmm. here, Brinks is here, uh, yeah. Residio. So, you know, the, the guys that were doing alarms, they were losing everybody to solar because yeah. of because it was such a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. So now they're migrating themselves over here. And these are massive companies with all kinds of resources. So they're yeah. going to have, you know, regional and local sales managers, coaches, and they're mm-hmm. going to have all kinds of resources and systems and, and, and things in place. And, you know, they're going to move in in a big way. Yeah. So again, if, if guys aren't adapting or they're not, you know, if, if there's someone that's going to come in that's bigger and better than you, you have to try to mirror them as, as best you can yeah. to stay in the fight. Well, and I think a, a, a little bit of a warning for my smaller sales orgs is, you know, you're making the, the end closer, the end salesperson's maybe making five to six grand a deal right now. And when those companies move in because of their hierarchies, which make them a lot more powerful, you know, they do, they can handle a lot more volume than you can yep. um, because of their hierarchy, they're going to be paying three to four grand per deal and you can stay small. And, and pay more or you can scale and, and pay a little less at the bottom. You know what I'm saying? Which yeah. I think is going to, is going to have to happen, you know, and, and everybody understands that concept. You know, I can't pay out all this commission if I have, you know, a manager, a regional, a VP to pay in between, but because I have all those things, I can move mountains, you know, I can do massive volume because I have management in place and I can control quality, you know? Yeah. Oh, listen, I, I can't believe the opportunity that is solar. And quite frankly, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm ticked off that it wasn't here when I was in my young twenties and mid twenties. You know, if you told me I could have sold anything and made a thousand dollars a sale, yeah. I, w- I would have been on my horse knocking doors 12 hours a day. So, I mean, and, and that, that's the thing I think people need to realize is, you know, you, if you, you, the dollar amount is only one part of the equation. Yeah. It's the scalability that you really have to focus on. And, you know, if you can do that properly, then you don't have to work quite as hard and you'll still make the same, if not better money or, you know, over the longer term. So it's it's just a it's a methodology thing. And, you know, um, I don't know, somebody like yourself, uh, you know, one of these coaches could probably put something together to actually illustrate that. Right. I, I don't yeah. think I know enough about the, the solar operational side to, to do it. But, you know, it's a, uh, you know, rather than focus so much on this commission on this deal mm-hmm. it's well how about over 50 deals and how do we how do you do yeah, that right how do, you go, how do you go from five a month to 50 because yeah you're, you're getting less but it's it's actually more a lot more i couldn't agree more um when you look at the like you said the opportunity the thousand dollar opportunity versus when you know when i was 26 we were selling cable for a hundred to two hundred dollars a pop you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. we did, but we still did 5 million in commissions in one year with, you know, an average of 70 to 80 reps. So now that 5 million can be accomplished by like, what, six, six reps. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah, like yeah. 36 deals or maybe, uh, no, that's uh, by six, you know, maybe 60 deals, somewhere around there to do 5 million. And so, I mean, it's just, the scale is so much different now, you know? And yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more on that. All right, last piece, last question I always ask everybody, which is, uh, what does legacy mean to you? And what legacy do you want to leave behind? Besides your daughter's names already being part of the company, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, legacy to me is, you know, the pure definition, which is the work that we're doing today will continue after I'm gone. And, 
Um, it's, you know, it seems simple, but it, it's, it's something that you really have to plan ahead for. And it's something that I really just have started to tackle with, you know, some of my executives in terms of like, Hey, if I get hit by a bus, here's what you do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so here's how you access, you know, all the different suppliers, here's where everything is, or, you know, whatever else. So, you know, that's, that's one thing, right. But, you know, the, that, those are the mechanics of it. For me, the, the meaningfulness of the legacy is that, you know, my daughters will have something that's taking care of them or at least giving them a, head, you know, a super head start, mm -hmm. you know, even if, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I got, I have girls, so I don't know if they're going to want to run an energy tech company and, and deal with, you know, restaurants or whatever else, you know, who right. knows? I mean, one of them wants to be a marine biologist. The other one, my five-year-old, it changes every day. So right now, <laughs> yeah. right now she wants to be a dancer. So, you know, I want them to be able to do whatever they want that's going to make them happy. And mm -hmm. then, you know, yeah, they've still got this other thing that's, that's feeding their life, taking care of them, you know, keeping them out of trouble, making sure that, you know, whatever happens, you're, you're safe and secure. Right. So that's that's my job as a man and as a father is to protect and provide. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I have to do it even when I'm not here. So it's a it's a big responsibility, but it, it's one that I, I take very seriously and, um, you know, we'll get it done. Well, I love the focus of it for sure. I mean, as long as you do that, you're in good shape, right? And uh, I will say my daughter's 12 now and she's just started having those conversations like, well, when I take over the company, <laughs> I was like, you got to come through me first, baby, because <laughs> I'm not retiring anytime soon. So <laughs> no, we have we have fun with it for sure. William, brother, uh, I appreciate you setting, shedding some light for us on the different companies that you're operating, as well as bringing a lot of value to the table whether it be in sales, strategic partnerships, or energy efficiency. Um, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate you, brother. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Let's get building. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Be sure to execute on everything that you just heard, and let's get building. Before we sign off, we'd like to invite you to join our Brickyard community. Head on over to jointhebrickyard.com. Again, that's jointhebrickyard.com or click the link in the description to find out more.